Welcome to this week's podcast from the Equipping Center. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Jacob Biswell. And Father, we thank you for your presence this morning. It is an honor to stand in your presence, God. It's a great and mighty thing to be in the presence of an almighty God. And Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you, Father, that it's alive and it's active. And I thank you, Father, for the anointing this morning that makes preaching easy. I thank you, Father, that your word goes forth to accomplish what you'll send it to do, God. And I thank you for the anointing that breaks the yoke. And so, Father, I pray this morning that I reach my hands out when I pull it back, it'd be your handprint that's left, God. I pray that your word would transform us that would be transformed into the image of Christ. We wouldn't be conformed to the world, but we'd be transformed into the image of the Son. That we'd be a living sacrifice, and by doing so, we'd prove what is holy and what is pure and what is acceptable in the sight of God. We magnify you, Jesus. You're worthy this morning. The church said amen. Why don't you take a seat? How many of you love Jesus? Yeah, come on. He's worthy. Why don't you turn in your Bibles to Judges chapter 6. That's where we're going to be this morning. It's great to see all of your faces this morning. Pastor Anna sends her love as she's caring for the kids at home who have the sniffles. And so we are extra cautious of of that stuff. And so uh, the kids are home with her. uh, But she sends her love. I know she's watching by live stream. Judges chapter 6, we're continuing in our series on Gideon. Uh, Jump down to verse 12, and that's where we're going to start. Today we're going to talk about new levels demand new levels of faith. How many of you are ready for next level in your life, right? You're ready for the more that God has for you. How many of you have grown discontent with where you're at? You're like, I I know there's got to be more. I know that my last season does not determine this season, but the the lessons I learned in the last season have prepared me for this season. And so when we come into a new season of life, whatever season that is, God uh, requires of us to increase our faith. And I believe that that's what we need to do in this season is increase our faith uh, to fully pursue what God has for us. Now, we're going to read a a good chunk this morning, but we're going to start in verse 12. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, the Lord is with you, valiant warrior. Then Gideon said to him, oh, Lord, if the Lord is with us, Why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles, which our father told us about, saying, Did the Lord not bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to Midian. And the Lord looked at him and said, Go in this strength of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Have I not sent you? But he said to him, O Lord, how am I to save Israel? Behold, my family is the least in Manasseh, And I'm the youngest in my father's house. Yet the Lord said to him, I will certainly be with you and you will defeat Midian as one man. So Gideon said to him, if now I have found favor in your sight, then perform for me a sign that it is you speaking with me. Please do not depart from here until I come back to you and bring out my offering and lay it before you. And he said, I will remain until you return. So Gideon went in and prepared a young goat and unleavened bread from an epaph of flour. He put the meat in a basket and the broth in a pot, and he brought them out to him under the oak and presented them. 
And the angel of God said to him, Take the meat and the unleavened bread and lay them on this rock and pour out the broth. And he did so. Then the angel of the Lord put out the end of the staff that was in his hand and touched the meat and the unleavened bread. And fire came up from the rock and consumed the meat and the unleavened bread. Then the angel of the Lord vanished from his sight. When Gideon perceived that he was the angel of the Lord, he said, O Lord God, for I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. The Lord spoke to him, Peace to you. Do not be afraid, you shall not die. Then Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and named it, The Lord is Peace, or Jehovah Shalom. To this day, it is still an Ophrah of the Bizraites. What an incredible passage, and we'll, we'll talk about a little bit of what we talked about last week. So if you weren't here, I'll, I'll kind of go back and talk a little about that. But there are enemies that have defeated Gideon and his nation. And that's where he's at. He's in this place where the enemies have defeated Gideon and his nation that now he and the nation must defeat. Have you ever faced enemies in your life? Whether it was your own doubt, whether it was a miracle not coming to pass, whether it was a family member that you were in contention with, whatever you were facing in the past that has defeated you, God will bring you back to that place to face it again. Because we are called to live an overcoming life. We're not called to live a defeated life. And so God will bring us back to a place in our life and cause us to face the same enemies that perhaps defeated you in the past or defeated your family in the past. God wants to deal with those things and it requires greater, greater faith. Whether it's weaknesses or failures or fears or lies, they must be confronted and be defeated. Now, we are not the children of Israel like they were then. We're the children of God, and the enemies we face today are not flesh and blood. So don't confuse that there. We need to recognize, and I think this is one of the things that has plagued us in this last tumultuous season of, of crazy political stuff, is that we are looking at people as people, and they are not our enemies. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against principalities and spiritual forces in high places. And so God will bring us to deal with those things. They are enemies of the soul that come to suppress us from fulfilling destiny that God has for us. Because they desire to remove the power from our lives by convincing us that we are powerless. And they desire to remove the effectiveness of us and, and cause us to hide like Gideon did. We talked last week about how he hid in the wine press with his little bit of wheat so that he could cause his family to survive. And it's okay to be, and, and it needs to be warned that some actually find their present state in the middle of that okay. They find comfort in the middle of the lies. And they find comfort in the middle of fear. And they find comfort and they grow accustomed to just how things are. But I want to prophesy to you this morning that wherever you're at in your life, God has new for you. This is a prophetic word for y'all this morning, that God has something new for you, and that the vision of God has always been for His people to increase. See, for the children of Israel, the vision was always a land flowing with milk and honey. God put something on the inside of His people and repeated a phrase consistently to them so that when they got to the place where the enemies were, they would understand that the promise still stood. See, so many of us have come out of seasons where the situation seeks to deny the promise. And God wants to write that in our lives, but the way He does it is He causes us to face the situations. 
See, they were called to a place of freedom where God and His glory could be freely displayed to the nations. And the problem, as I've said, was the enemies in the land. And the call is not to somehow avoid conflict. See, we are really good about that in our lives is we want to avoid conflict. We want to avoid the uncomfortable things because it's easier to avoid it and pretend like it's not there than to face it. And the thing is, is that when we avoid conflict, it destroys us. But when we face conflict, we destroy conflict. And that's what God wants to do in our lives. And so God has come to Gideon to lead the charge to a new attack against that which has defeated him and his nation. And we're immediately challenged. See, let, let me clarify something. You're not Gideon. Let's make that clear. You don't have the same enemies. But when we read Scripture, we see a type and shadow of what God does in our lives. And so we can look at Gideon and we can be challenged to, to not settle for, for what is, but to look towards what is to be. We're challenged that we often settle even sometimes just in the dream, but we don't bring the dream into reality. Yesterday in, in intercessory prayer, we were prophesying about that and praying into that, that it's time for that which has been in the future to become a reality for our lives. And that for too long, we often live in a dream. And we live up here and it never comes into reality. And so it's not just about what could be and not what might be if things change and not what we'd be like if given the ideal circumstances, but it challenges us to deal with our laziness. Because really, we just grow lazy in the promise of God. We grow lazy in the contending because it's easier just to say, someday God will do it. Someday God will bring it about. Someday the promise will come to pass. But in order for a promise to come to pass, it takes active faith. It places a demand on our lives that we don't just put it in another season. You know, one of the things I love about a recent miracle we've had in our church with Yolanda is Yolanda placed a demand on the anointing to bring healing to her body. When faced with cancer and told, you will die, basically, and felt like she was dying, she consistently, no matter how sick she felt, kept saying, no, this is what is to be. My healing's not in another season. My miracle's not in another season. It's got to be now. Because often what happens is we put our miracle in another season and we die waiting for it. And God is calling us to deal with whether or not we are willing to settle for less than His promise. Whether or not we might accommodate enemies that have always overcome us. To decide that despite the fact that I have been defeated in the past, I will arise again and I will fight. And so new levels demand that what is keeping us at the present level of fruitfulness, anointing, and kingdom impact must be confronted. We have to confront the things that keep us where we're at. Because if we don't confront them, they will keep us where we're at. And so after years of defeat and failure, Gideon is full of stuff. He's just full of it. In our modern terms, questions like, Lord, why am I not healed yet? Lord, why have you not delivered me from this weakness? Lord, why does the church feel so ineffective and the enemies so strong? And the, these are the sort of questions we all have. And Gideon had them and he couldn't get through them. You know what I'm thankful for? And I talked about this a lot last week. God doesn't answer those questions. 
God doesn't answer the questions. And, and, and the reason is, is because He just reiterates our call. See, Judges 6.14 says this, The Lord looked at him and said, Go in this your strength and deliver Israel from the hand of Midian. Have I not sent you? And then he brings up more issues. We talked about it last week. My family background, my reputation. Who am I really to do this thing? All standard attitudes we often hear and even feel. We have all felt that at times. How am I to bring this promise to pass? How could I be called to do such a thing? How can I lead my family well when I come from a history of families that aren't led well? How do I do all of these things that God has called me to do? And God doesn't answer those questions. And I'm so thankful for that. Because they are, there's no point in answering them because the questions are direct denial of faith. Those questions challenge God's word because he already sent his word and healed you. He already called you such a time as this. We can go through all the promises of God. And when we ask questions of why such and such hasn't happened, it denies the word and it's a denial of faith. See, does not God take the weak things of the world and make them strong? 1 Corinthians 1, 26 and 27 for consider your calling, brethren, that there were not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong. It's why He chose you and it's why He chose me. We are weak, foolish, unwise, and unmighty. And yet God reaches down and the very reasons why you think God shouldn't call you and couldn't call you to do great things is the very reason He did call you and He did choose you. 1 Corinthians 1.29 is why? So that no man may boast before God. Because it's Him who does the work. It's Him who empowers us. We are but earthen clay vessels made for the filling of His glory. Judges 6.16, but the Lord said to him, surely I will be with you and you shall defeat Midian as one man. The key behind all of this is to understand whatever God has called you to do, you can't do it. It's real simple, y'all. Whatever God has called you to do, you can't do it. Because you don't have the skills, the capacity, the ability, the anointing. If you do it in and of your own strength, you will fail. And that's why God seeks to bring each believer to this wonderful understanding of the work of the kingdom of God found in Zechariah 4.6, which says, Then he said to me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. As God spoke to Gideon, Have I not sent you? Surely I will be with you. It is God who goes before us and prepares a table in the presence of our enemies. You can't prepare a table in the presence of your enemies. But it is God who does that. It is God who goes before you. And just as he was with Gideon, he'll be with you. Because it all comes down to a matter of faith. And understanding the key that God is working in me and through me. I recognize my complete and total dependence on God. Scripture is clear. It is in Him and through Him we live and move and have our being. Apart from Him, I can do nothing. But 
in Him, in Him, whatever He calls us to do, He must and He will empower us to do that thing. And you will always helpless in the face of the thing God has called you to do. Because if you try to do it on your own, you are helpless. It's about drawing from God's supernatural ability. So why? He gets the glory and not you. He's very clear. I will share my glory with no man. He gets the glory from our lives. Any crown we get, the scripture is clear. We will one day lay at his feet because it is his. Crown him with many crowns. And it's coming to the understanding that God has sent me. God is with me. And so God will work in and through me. It's called faith. Gideon's objections are so classic. Why has bad things happened to us? God doesn't answer. Where are the miracles you promised? Silence. You've abandoned us. Hence the enemies are defeating us. God doesn't answer. All this without mentioning what we've already mentioned. And then verse 15, as we talked about last week, my family, they're a wreck. Go in the strength. See, all of this is to do with a very simple understanding. God wants you and I to walk in obedience whether or not we have full understanding of our issues. Faith is not having my, answered, answered quest, my questions answered. Faith is not having my doubts, or is having my doubts, let me, let me rephrase this. Faith is not having my doubts put aside. I may have doubt, but faith is simply hear and obey. That's what faith is. Faith is having the confidence to simply hear what God is saying and obey it. And this finally gets through to Gideon. He finally gets it. And so change begins to happen. And then he has another question. Aren't we all full of questions, right? And it's a very valid one. And it's one we will at times all ask. And truthfully, we should ask this question. So look at verse 17. So Gideon said to him, If I have now found favor in your sight, then perform for me a sign that it is you speaking with me. In other words, okay, Lord, you've spoken. But now I really want to know you've spoken. If I'm going to do this thing, I really need to know that I've heard from you. You see, the thing he is being asked to do, Gideon knows, is impossible. It can only be accomplished when God is with me. So he has got to know he hasn't somehow become delusional or mentally challenged. He's got to know, I've heard God. And God is okay with that. Every Christian wants to know, have I heard God? Is this thing I'm feeling, sensing, really God? And this one great understanding is that God is only too willing to confirm His Word to us. Any major initiative you feel from God, you can expect God to confirm. Any major dealing with God, it is to be expected that God would confirm His Word to you. See, you never move in God on one simple prompting. I've done it way too many times, y'all. I think I've heard from God. I'm going to go do this thing and then it's all a wreck. Because I didn't wait for confirmation. Which is exactly why in verse 18, the angel was willing to wait for the sacrifice to be prepared. It's a valid request. Here's some of the things I've learned. Number one is that when the heart is right, 
God doesn't judge us for delaying while waiting to be certain as to His voice. God will not judge you for waiting to hear His voice when your heart is in the right place. I think sometimes we know it's God and we're like, wait, I don't know, I'm not going to obey that one. You're going to have to do something else to prove this. That's the wrong heart. That's the wrong heart. The right heart is, God, I want to be so obedient. I want to follow everything you've asked me to do. And I know this is impossible and I just need you to confirm it to me. That's the right heart. And that's where Gideon was. Okay, God, in spite of all my shortcomings, in spite of all the things that I haven't seen come to pass, in spite of who my family is, I will do this. But in order for me to do this, God, please just confirm it to me. Prove to me that it's you. And that's where God values patience. And God values the process of coming to full conviction. He was willing to wait on Gideon. But what did Gideon do? He prepared a sacrifice. See, when we come to God, and He's spoken for us to do something, we'll know we're in the right place if we're willing to sacrifice to know it's Him. The key to Gideon's victory and understanding who he was called to be was he was willing to sacrifice before the Lord. See, so often we'll say, God, I'll do it, but I'm not going to do anything to make it happen. I'm just going to take a step back and you just do it. But Gideon was willing to lay it before God. Say, God, let let me just sacrifice to you. Let let me bring a sacrifice. Romans 12, 2, be that living sacrifice. Let me come before you and I'll present my heart before you so that I may know that it's you. It's part of our faith development. Here's the thing. Confirmation will come through a variety of means. If you feel prompted by God on some issue that He may be calling you to, confirmation may come through others, through leaders, through Scripture, through a strong inner knowing and peace, circumstances coming together supernaturally. Judges 23 and 24, it says, But the Lord said to him, Peace to you. Do not be afraid. You shall not die. Then Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and named it, The Lord is Peace. To this day, it is still an Ophrah of the Abysrites. He received this peace. What, what happens in our lives is that you will come into a collision with the character and nature of God. Gideon seeks confirmation. And what happens in that moment is he comes into an encounter with Jehovah Shalom. He encounters the God of peace. And so he builds an altar. He's already sacrificed before the Lord. But then he comes into encounter with Jehovah Shalom. And in that encounter with Jehovah Shalom, he said, I've met the Lord of peace. I will name this place the meeting place of the Lord of peace. And that's what God wants to do in our lives is he doesn't want to just give you some some weird prophetic word that comes out of left field. He wants to bring you into an encounter with his character. He wants to encounter you to confirm to you. Isaiah 40 and 31. Yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. Now get this, I love this. The Hebrew word for wait there is the, the word kavah. It means to entwine or be bound to. 
So get this. Those who are entwined with and are bound to the Lord will renew their strength. Our waiting is not a step back from God. Our waiting is a step into God. When we learn to step into God, it creates expectation on the inside of us. And it creates this place where we are bound to His presence. And what does He promise? They will have their strength renewed. When we are entwined in God, when we bind ourselves together with the promises of God, we wait, we entwine, and in the process, we gain new capacity. Our convictions, our leading from God is strengthened. Our capacity is somehow strengthened. We've been faced many times with decisions that seem pressing. I can think of many times, even here at the church, where it seemed like there was a decision that just had to be made. But I could get no peace about it. So we take a step back and we hide in the shadow of the Almighty. They that abide in the shadow of the Almighty. They who get entwined with His presence. And then all of a sudden, it's like an answer comes. Yesterday, we're, we're in the process of, of finally buying a house in Bryan College Station almost eight years later. And we've been like, God, which house is it? And so we go and we see a house. and We're like, this is it. This is the house. And then it sells or we get outbid. And so even yesterday, Anna and I had gotten in the car to go look at a house. And she said, OK, here's what we're going to do. We're not going to say we're going to make a bid. We're not going to do it. We're going to wait and we're going to deliberate and we're going to just wait. And so I walk into the house and I'm like, oh, it's amazing. I love this house. I mean, just a beautiful, literally, if y'all want to live just down the street, there's a beautiful house. It's, I mean, it's gorgeous, but I'll tell you why we're not buying it. So for us, it was this, like, I was sold. I'm like, let's make an offer. She's like, we agreed. We are not going to make, that's typically how it works. I'm like, let's go. See, prophets are really bad with timing. So we're like, I hear the word of the Lord, let's run. And then you need someone like Anna, who's a teacher and, and knows timing's like, okay, let's pull back. Let's wait. And she's, we're just going to wait. And then like nine o'clock last night, we're sitting on the couch and she goes, I don't have any place to pull in and shut the garage and get the kids in at night. And if I'm alone, I will never feel safe doing that in that particular neighborhood. And it was just this moment of like, oh, yeah. And then we started recognizing other things. And we started talking about other things. And we're like, wait, nope, that's not the house for us. But it was in the, the waiting. Now, that one seems simple because we know God has a house for us. But sometimes it's even in the simple things, y'all, that we just want to rush ahead. We feel like we know the answer. And we don't wait for God to confirm it. We don't become entwined with him. And so in this place, as I start to close, when we are pursuing God, and I promise I'm one of those preachers who when I say I close, I mean it. I don't have four or five closings. I actually hate that. I'm like, you're lying to us. Don't lie from the pulpit. What happens is we often get into panic mode. We must do this. We must do that. But Gideon recognized something. The importance of becoming entwined with the promise. The importance of stepping into the presence of God 
and encountering a portion of his character. He encountered Jehovah Shalom. Someone say Yah, Yahweh Shalom. When he encountered that, he was renewed and his capacity was increased. They that wait for the Lord, he will come and he will speak and he will give a new capacity. I want to say to you, God has a word for you. It's not found in a prophet. It's not found in a conference. It's found in his peace. It's found in his presence. God has a word for you. Wait on him. And he will bring his word forth to bring you new strength, new capacity to face your present enemies. God desires to deliver you, to deliver you and your family from the things that have ensnared you. Some of you will be the deliverer for your family. You will set the precedent that because you were delivered, God's going to deliver them. Because you encountered him, you're going to pull them out of their wine presses. Imagine, if you will, 10, 15 years from now, your entire family standing next to you with a legacy. Imagine three months from now, parents reconciling. Imagine a week from now, getting a call from a family member who hasn't called you in a long time. Lord, we worship you. God, we want to be so entwined with you. We want to be caught up in you. Captured. Bound to hope. Zechariah says, return to the stronghold, you prisoners of hope. God wants you to become imprisoned by hope. Captured and entwined chained up with hope. Jesus, I pray right now that your presence would sweep across this place, sweep across the live stream this morning, that we would become captured, captured by hope, entwined with your presence, that we may fully pursue you and defeat the enemies that have stood against our lives. We speak against addiction this morning. We commend strongholds of addiction to be broken. We commend strongholds of suicide to be broken. We commend strongholds of sickness to be broken. If you've never given your heart to Jesus this morning, you've never surrendered and made Him your Lord, there's no better time than the present to fully pursue Him. Sin separates us, but His blood reconciles us. If you're far from God this morning, He wants to draw you so close. Ephesians 2.10 says He's a God who is rich in mercy. That mercy is overflowing to you this morning. If you're in the room or you're watching by live stream, God wants to draw you close, friend. He wants to make you His own. I want you to pray with me this morning. 
to surrender to Him. It's simple. Say the name Jesus. I repent of my sin. I'm far from You. But I want to be close to You. I run into Your arms this morning. And I receive Your mercy. I receive Your blood that makes me new. Today, I'm a new creation. A, a fervent follower of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. To stay connected, follow us on Instagram or Facebook. Or visit www.equippingcenter.us.